0: Every signal told me not to stay back when it came to my career or it came to my finances. Mm. Okay, this is harakiri, this is suicide, you know, you name it. So, in the medieval times, people used to swallow diamond, you know, that cuts your respiratory tract. So, it was like I literally had to swallow a diamond, you know, mm. career wise, financially. But I still did it. Hello, fellow
1: risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Today's episode is sponsored by the Valuation Masterclass Online, the complete, proven, step-by-step online course to guide you from novice to valuation expert. And hey, most people have free 10 hours or 10 days to complete that course, given the covid crisis we're going through so consider picking up your amazing 35% discount by going to myworstinvestmentever.com/deals my name is Andrew Stotts from A Stotts Investment Research and I'm here with featured guest Amar Desponde
0: Amar are
1: you ready to rock
0: absolutely andrew let's get it on
1: let's do it okay so amar is a skilled communicator with a background in marketing consulting and sustainability he is a public speaker and a podcaster. He is the co-founder of Gatha Story, a podcasting company he founded with his wife in 2016. Amar is the creator and host of My Kitab, a podcast on how to publish and market your book. He is also the creator of Balgatha Fairy Tales of India and Styrgata or Gatha podcasts. He is a published author and blogger and has been featured in the Financial Times in the UK and Entrepreneur India. Amar has over 17 years' experience in program management, construction, and communication with organizations such as Amazon, Schneider Electric, and Jones Lang LaSalle. He's also an alumnus of IIM, Ahmedabad, India, and University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in the U.S. He is passionate about sustainability and is a lead accredited professional. Amar, take a minute and fill me for the tidbits about your life.
0: Okay, thank you so much for that introduction, Andrew. I think uh, what I should mention, in fact, more and more these days, I'd like to introduce myself in a conversation. I'm a husband, a dog lover, and also I am working on my next project, which probably time permitting, we'll talk about down the conversation. Interesting, and do you like big dogs or small dogs? So no, we have a medium-sized dog. Buddy, we adopted him about five and a half years ago, so he's a Labrador and Indie mix. But, you know, I love furry animals of any size. I really, really want to get a dog, but I live in an
1: apartment downtown Bangkok, and it's relatively big. I live here with my mother, but Mm. I'm just a little bit worried about bringing a dog in and just not being able to get them enough exercise. So I've been thinking of a treadmill. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) have you seen those videos on YouTube of people running their dogs on treadmills?
0: Yes, yes, we have.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty amazing. So anyways, well, great. Good to learn about you. Now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever, ever, ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story.
0: All right. Thank you for this, Andrew. So I'm going to take us back in time around 2009, March, about 11 years ago. And to give a bit of a context, and I think the majority of your audience may be able to relate to this, I had moved back to India from the United States in 2008, March, for family. So my parents both were in their 60s. At that time, not really in the best of health. And between me and my sister, who's, who was then and still is in the United States, one of us had to move back. And I said, okay, you know, and this was the time where in April, 2008, I was supposed to go to Canada for my business school studies and, you know, things could have been on autopilot. Yeah. So instead, what I said was that, okay, I will give everything in life a break for one year, move back to India. Let's see, you know, what difference it can make to them, you know, for my parents. And then I'll move back, you know, picture perfect in theory, Except that it did not work out the way it did. (laughs) So, (laughs) one year into the experience, I began to realize, number one, that, you know, I think it was, I was living in a fool's paradise to begin with, that, you know, it's it's not easy. Life does not work in theory. You know, life works on practical realities. Mm. So, I decided to stay back. I said, okay, I'm not going to go back to North America. Let's see what India has to offer. Now... This was the time when, uh, you know, the after effects of the Lehman crisis were beginning to hit the Indian market. There was a three to six months lag. Now, unfortunately, it's, you know, much more immediate in terms of economy. Situation was very similar then to what it is now, right? Stock market taking a beating every day, uncertainty on the business side. At that time, I was with Jones Lang LaSalle on, you know, I was in the city of Pune near Mumbai, in Western India. Every signal told me not to stay back when it came to my career or it came to my finances. Mm. Okay, this is harakiri, this is suicide, you know, you name it. So, in the medieval times, people used to swallow diamond, you know, that cuts your respiratory tract. So, it was like I literally had to swallow a diamond, you know, mm. career wise, financially. But I still did it. Yeah, simply because I said that, you know, it was an emotionally driven decision without much thought put into it. Okay, and the governing emotion was that situations may change, life may get better. I only get to live with my parents once in my lifetime, you know, particularly the phase they are in, yeah. This was all great, but the mistake that I made was not investing in myself, and when I say myself, my career, now that, you know. Saying in a country with no network, ironically, since even though I came from India, as soon as I completed my undergraduate, I went to the US. So I had very little professional network, very little business contacts. And, you know, I just moved to the city of Pune with a one-year plan. So I had not really invested in spending that time cultivating relationships with my coworkers, with my clients, customers, you name it, right? Suddenly, I'm faced with this situation that I have to spend a considerably longer time which may also involve me moving from Pune to Mumbai you a know, considerably expensive city, maintaining two homes, two lifestyles with a reduced salary. Yeah, So the investment I should have made at that point, very, you know, that point in time, the day I took the decision, I'm not moving. I should have actually picked up the phone and started making phone calls, except that I didn't. Yeah. Mm. So this is the background. This is the mistake. And then slowly, you know, as they say, the Pandora's box opened and all hell began to break loose. <laughs> mm. Shall I carry on? Or, or do yeah. You know?
1: Tell us about the consequences of those decisions.
0: Sure. So let's say around 15th or 18th of March, 2009, I decide that I'm staying put, fully knowing that in a month's time, I will have to leave move on to a different, you know, even if it's the same organization, move on to a different city, a different role, but I still didn't. Yeah, Mm. exactly a month later, unfortunately, everything that I had predicted happened and much worse. Number one, you know, rents were super expensive. The tax authorities only give you some concession for paying rent, but only in one city. So I had to choose between the two, you know, because we were paying rent in two cities I had to travel, you know, practically every weekend back to Pune to be with my parents. That added mm. to the costs. So, and not to mention in the city of Mumbai, you know, the transportation being what it was, everything began to take much longer and became much, much more expensive. Fortunately, I had someone who was empathetic with my situation and I was paying very low rent in the prime, you know, heart of the city. You know, typically Mm -hmm. I was was probably paying a fifth of what the market rates were. So I was lucky that way to find that help. And in the meantime, transition to a new city means the way the matrix organizations are. You move to a different city, you might as well work for a completely different organization, right? Because everything is different. Systems are different. People you report to or work with are different. Work culture is different. Mumbai is very professionally organized, by the way. Mm. And, you know, the only difference being that the work hours are much longer because the commute takes longer. You know, it actually, on the construction site, work starts at 11, then goes on till 7.30 or 8 in the night. Right. 11 in the morning to 7.30 or 8 in the night, which means you first go to your office for the first hour and a half of the day, spend an hour commuting to the job site, return home at 9. So your workday is practically now 14 hours. And that takes a toll with the heat and the humidity and, you know, things like that. So with all the great ideas that, okay, I'm going to, you know, at that time, we did not have Coursera or e-learning was just probably picking up Mm. and things like that. I had all the right intentions saying that I'm going to take up this course and I'm going to take that certification, you know, meet this person and do that. None of that could happen. Well, it's hard to happen too when you're talking about, you know,
1: 14-hour days, particularly cities like Mumbai, cities like Bangkok, cities like Jakarta have, you know, such travel times that, you know, it's hard to get those free
0: hours. Right, right. So, but there was one thing to my rescue though, and that was podcasting. So, you know, fortunately, there were, you know, a series of very good podcasts, I think one of them being Manager Tools Podcast, mm-hmm. which has been around forever and, you know, great resource, also started, and that's where my interest in sustainability also took up you know, and the best part was they were free. I mean, you know, the only thing you have to pay for your bandwidth and your time, right? Right. So, and you have to listen. So you're not really paying too much attention to to Mm. your eyes. Mm. So that part worked right. That kind of motivated me to explore my options. And that's where the lead AP exam happened. So something went right, even though the condition was that, you know, from my employer, then I had to first pay out of pocket take the test, and then go ahead. You know, if I get a passing grade, they will reimburse me, which will take another three months. If you don't, then, you know, obviously keep doing that. Mm. Now, this was also the time, by the way, the currency exchange rate between the U.S. dollar and Indian rupee had changed. Mm. Yeah, so when I'd moved back, it was, I think, closer to 40 or 45 rupees for every U.S. dollar, and it had gone down. So, you know, for every dollar that I had in the bank, I was getting less in terms of rupee, Mm. Yeah. And then of course, I had this great idea that, okay, I need a car, so I went ahead and paid everything in cash, in a single down payment, saying that, okay, you know, let's see, let's call it an investment, right? That's when I realized probably not a good thing to do, Mm. because lo and behold, the rupee fell, and I actually lost almost 20% in terms of dollar terms. Uh. Yeah, so here we are, you know, short of funds, make this big investment, Two expenses, two sets of properties to maintain, so to speak, career going nowhere, some investments made in relationships, some investment made in career enhancement, and everything's come to a standstill suddenly because monsoons hit. And monsoon is a time when construction activity in Mumbai pretty much slows down. For, you know, if it's outdoor construction, you're building a brand new building, concrete and everything, it actually comes to a standstill. If it's interior fit outs for a building or a retail project or an office space, it actually slows down and of course you mm. cannot do painting you cannot like carpet you cannot do tiles in a lot of these activities the last minute touches they kind of slow down or die down as well which means here i am sitting in an office you know i'm supposed to be at a construction site first of all i cannot travel because its you know roads are flooded secondly there is nothing for me to do mm. which means i am not billable as a consultant so you know, no employer is going to be that generous, saying that hey, we know it's monsoons, we'll you know we'll pay you, blah blah blah. So they put me on a new assignment for which I was horribly, horribly equipped, <laughs> yeah, and that was business development.
1: So how did this whole thing come to an end?
0: Ah, well, the turning point here was, and by the way, this situation went on till about October or November 2009. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The turning point was one night I literally had to sleep on the streets of Mumbai. You know, I was broke, no money to pay rent. I actually slept on the sidewalk. Don't even remember, you know, I probably had my watch on, my mobile phone in my pocket and some cash in my wallet. Yeah. I slept telling myself that if out of these three things and probably fourth being my life, you know, whatever I wake up with tomorrow morning, I'll treat that as my, you know, seed investment in myself and I'm going to try and change things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so that's what happened. And I woke up next morning, fortunately had all four things with me. And I went to the place that where I was staying. I vacated, went back to Pune where my parents were. I quit the job that I was, I was in. And I said, things have got to change. And let's see what we can do differently now. Mm. Yeah, because everything I tried did not work out. So that's the thing, Andrew, that if you're taking a major decision in life, yeah. which you know are you know gonna have repercussions, number one, think through it. Mm-hmm. You know, number two, unless compelled by circumstances, don't take an emotional decision. But most importantly, if you know you're gonna dive into the deep end of the of the pool right away, either have a lifeguard around or you know, wear that vest or the, the floater, you know, around your waist <laughs> so that you don't sink. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, let me uh, summarize what I take away from your story. There's a few things. I think, you know, one of the things, and it, it's appropriate for right now what the whole world is going through, and that is sometimes you just have to let go. Yeah. And, you know, we accumulate things, we accumulate responsibilities, we accumulate a lot of things that can sometimes be the wrong things. And it's very hard to detach from those things. But what I would say is that letting go and going back to your foundation, your roots, and starting to build from ground up is actually can bring quite a relief, quite a relief. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I speak from some experience in that when I was a young guy, I was kicked out of my house at 18. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad said, go out and make it on your own. And I didn't really have any, you know, I didn't have money to go to university and I didn't have money to do much of anything. I had a, a little a room in a house and a boarding house mm-hmm. and I had a job and I had a little motorcycle and I would drive to the job and I, I worked in a factory. And there was sometimes when literally I just didn't even have enough money to buy food. So I would go to the church and get some donation or something like that. And as I slowly kind of, you know, existed in this, but what, one thing I had at the time, friends. And, you know, I think about the thing you talked about, about connecting in new cities and all that. This, luckily for me, that happened, you know, around my hometown. And my friends and I had a lot of fun during those times, you know. Mm
0: -hmm. We didn't
1: need money to have fun. And we didn't need money to have good friendship. And slowly, over time, I built myself from ground zero up. And the lasting lesson that I learned is that, um, for me, uh, I can be stripped of everything. And as long as I have friendship and family, that's okay. I can build from that. And that was a lesson that allowed me to face a lot of ups and downs with related to money and business and all that and not panic. If I let go of everything, I have friends and family. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things that you remind me of. And then one other thing I would mention is what you were saying about how things take much longer to get done, and you know, for instance, in Mumbai, and I, I've taken that trip between Mumbai and Pune. I, I can't remember was it like two hours or three hours or something like that. But I remember yep. that. But that the idea of things taking much longer is just life in general. But there's a great quote from uh, von Clausewitz, a you know a Prussian military person who basically wrote a tremendous amount on strategy. But he said. During times of war, simple things become difficult and difficult things become impossible. And it reminds me the idea of, you know, we've got to keep simplicity in our life and our business and that simplicity actually allows us to achieve more. So you know, you've connected me with those things, is there anything else that you would add?
0: Yeah, I guess there, there was one more aspect you mentioned about, you know, having friends. One good thing that kept ticking for me at that point in time, Andrew, was uh, an uncle of mine. Let's call him Dan. So, you know, Dan was that anchor that I really needed at that point in time. You know, you could go and went out. You can go and have a beer at the end of the day with them or, you know, whatever. Fortunately, he was, you know, he was a seasoned entrepreneur who had seen several ups and downs. The good part was that he would offer me the employer's perspective. Like I said earlier, right? You're not billable. You are, you're not an asset, you're a liability to the organization. Do something about it, right? Move from left entry, you know, of the column to the right entry or whatever the, you know, accounting system might might dictate. So yeah, you may get lucky to find an anchor like that, but if you're not finding one, look around. I think it's extremely important to have that sounding board, you know, at that phase of your life.
1: Yep. Search out. There are people out there that are willing to talk and willing to do that. So all right, let's wrap it up by asking you, based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate?
0: One mm-hmm. action. Invest in your network, no matter what the occasion. You don't know when you will have to reach out to which person or what you know, organization for what sort of help.
1: Fantastic advice. I'm writing it down. Invest in your network, and it's so... Valuable, you know. In this time of trouble, I would just think about my first boss in Thailand. You know, that was almost thirty years ago. And yesterday, we were just chatting on the telephone. When you make relationships, keep them and build them. Mm -hmm. So, last question: What's your number one goal for the next twelve months?
0: Number one, next goal for the next twelve months, Andrew, is number one: keep your head on the grindstone, as they say, (laughs) nose to the grindstone. I think that's 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 it. You know, there's going to be a lot of negativity, a lot of noise, a lot of distractions. Yeah. I think the best thing is to, particularly for those who have experienced the times like this, taking the health crisis away, I'm talking more about the economic crisis. Yeah. I think for us from Gatha's story, we've actually tried to utilize this opportunity to, you know, do more on the content part, build up a stronger library, Mm -hmm. but more importantly, going back to what I said earlier reaching out to as many people, probably people who are in your network and you're not communicated or connected with you know, over the years. So till the time this crisis is the way it is right now, personally, my goal is to reach out to five people and talk to them.
1: Great. I love that. That's a great challenge actually for the listeners is to think about five people you'd like to reach out to that you haven't talked to for a while and give them a call. Chances are they're probably sitting at home. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we end, Amar, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. And I also want to congratulate you for being one of the brave ones who has turned your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience?
0: Well, good luck. These are tough times, but it's cyclical. So, you know, maybe not eleven years, but at some point in time you'll reflect upon these times and see how much you learn from it. So, you know, stay stay strong.
1: Excellent advice. And uh, take a social media diet, get off of it because it's too <laughs> difficult. <laughs> that's my advice and it's worked for me recently. So that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.